So now we have the opportunity uh, to meditate and to listen to the Dharma as well. So may you have your mindfulness established with your meditation object that you are skilled in. For instance, noting the in-breath and the out-breath, or being mindful of the recitation of the word Buddha. Or you can contemplate into this body, which is a heap of earth, a heap of water, a heap of fire, or a heap of air. So these four elements. So that which is hard is the earth element. So for example, the flesh and the bones in this body, in the skin. The water, the liquid parts, or the blood, for example. And then there's the fire element, so that which burns the food that we take in and produces heat in the body. And then there's the air element, which is the breath that comes in and goes out uh, through this body. And so this is contemplating into the four elements. So you can just pick up one of these elements or go through all four. Either is okay. And by doing this, the mind, which normally thinks about all different kinds of things, can establish its mindfulness with this particular meditation method. Well, for those who are skilled at reciting Buddha, you can use that, be aware of that as well. And so these can help us to bring the mind to peace more easily. Because the heart, which is all scattered and restless, which is agitated, this becomes an obstacle for the arising of samadhi. And if samadhi doesn't arise, then wisdom, panya, can't arise. And there'll just be attachment, attachment about me and mine. So therefore, in order to let go of our attachments, to put these down, we need wisdom. Wisdom needs to be informing the mind, training the mind. So when we contemplate into the elements, this is a samatha gamatana, this is a meditation object which leads to tranquility or peace. But even though we have that understanding that it's a samatha object, that will develop into wisdom as well. But the foundation of this tranquility and samadhi it needs to be there. So in the beginning we have faith, conviction, belief in this way of practice. We have this confidence in it. We don't have these doubts. And so there are these methods uh, that the great awakened masters have taught. And so one method is to bring the mind to peace, and the other is to use wisdom. <coughs> so the objects of vipassana, of insight, uh, anicca, dukkha, anatta, so there's change, constancy, stress, and not self. 
And when we hear about that, then we practice and we want to get results quickly. And we can ask, is there a quick way? Is there a shortcut? <clears throat> and there is a shortcut. And that is to let go of all things. To let go of the body, let go of the mind, let go of all physicality and mentality. So like this mind, it's just a knowing element. But when it has ignorance conditioning it, then there are meritorious things that come into it and a lot of demeritorious things that come into it. And we attach to all of those as being me as well. And so then we're constantly going through becoming and birth. But if we have wisdom, then we'll know that these conditioned things and this proliferation, it's not me, rather it's just nature. It's just this uh, mentality which arises, persists, and then ceases. And the mind which is aware of that also arises, stays, and ceases. Delusion arises, stays, and ceases. This knowing comes up, it stays, and then it ceases. And it's not me. So the people who are aware, who know, they see this. They see that these deluded states, they're not me. We understand that the mind is just a mind. It's not a being, not an individual, not me, not you. Those things aren't there. The body is just the body. It's not a being, not an individual, not me, not you. So when the mind is at peace already, then we can use that calm to contemplate so that wisdom arises. But when we talk of it like this, this is just speech. When that knowing actually occurs, however, then this is bhavana mayapanya. So it's the wisdom that arises through the cultivation of the mind. It's a clear, direct knowing that appears within the mind and there isn't proliferation there. It's this knowledge that instantly comes up. And with that, then we can know the Dhamma, see the Dhamma, and let go. And so this is the fastest way. This is the fastest route that we can take. And so we want to go quickly. But we need to realize uh, that, say for a child that's just been born, they're not able to instantly run. They have to take time and eventually they'll be able to crawl a bit and then they slowly learn how to crawl better and then they take a step and then eventually another step and they slowly get better at doing that. It's going step by step and eventually they're able to walk and then they're able to run. And that's because the body is stronger than it was. 
So in our practice, this is how we progress as well. We take one step first. So that first step is having faith in this practice. But you should also know that if you carry on stepping like this, taking step by step, then you'll eventually walk to knowing the Dhamma. And this won't happen slowly. If you carry on stepping, carry on walking consistently. So we develop the mind from the state of a human to a deva, to a celestial being, which is a mind which is filled with goodness has these two qualities of hiri and otapa. So this wise sense of conscience and a fear of wrongdoing. And so people with this mind, they have generosity and they're virtuous as well. So for all of us here, we're generous already We've taken up the precepts already. So these are the qualities of devas, of celestial beings. And then we come to practice, to cultivate the mind. So initially the mind is very restless. Things proliferate without ceasing. So therefore we need a kamatana, a meditation object. We need mindfulness to look after the mind initially. Because if we don't have that, then we just carry on thinking and thinking without stop. So it's like we have a paddy field full of rice and there's a cow that's there. And so this rice, it's the food of the cow. Therefore we need to look after this rice and tie the cow down and keep an eye on it. So rice is the food of the cow and the aramanas, these sense objects, they're the food of the mind. So we need to be very cautious around them. So teaching our mind when these come up that they're not sure, these are unstable things, unsure things. And then coming back to our meditation, to the word buddha or to the breath. And so we carry on doing that. And whatever posture we're in, then we meditate, we recite this word, Buddha. Or if we're skilled in contemplation, then we can use that. So contemplating that these things, they're not me. Whether the body is standing, it's not me. Walking, it's not me. And we teach ourselves this constantly, that this form, and all the forms that we see, they're just conventions. Bring up this feeling that all the things we hear, what we smell, what we taste, the tactile sensations, these are all just conventions. That they don't have a me, and they don't belong to me either. That it's all just emptiness. So we see the mind and the body in that light. See that the mind is just the mind, body is just the body. That any feelings that come up, whether they're pleasant feelings, unpleasant feelings, they're just feelings. See how all of these are Dhamma. 
So when we carry on doing that, then one day we will come to see this. So may you set your hearts on maintaining your mindfulness so that samadhi arises. So with us all waking up early in the morning to come and practice at 4.30, that something we need to be careful of is this drowsiness, sleepiness. And so this is one of the obstacles. And that if the mind isn't scattered or restless, then it can just go into drowsiness. And if this drowsiness is there, then we can lose track of the breath. So if that happens to you, then you can try opening up your eyes and looking at the Buddha Rupa. And you can recite Buddha when you do that. And then after a while, then you can close your eyes again and start your practice again. So with this kind of state of, of drowsiness, there are actually two kinds of it. So there's the drowsiness that comes up in the state of peace. And you can be looking at the breath. And so with one kind of drowsiness, you know what's going on. And another kind of drowsiness, you don't know what's going on. And this can be a cause for arguments to arise. So for myself, it's waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning and sitting in meditation. And sitting there meditating, that there could be this, um, that the body could kind of sway a little bit uh, when, when in a state of peace, but also a little bit of drowsiness coming up. And so with watching the breath, then there's the in-breath, a knowledge of that. But then in the space between the in-breath and the out-breath, then the mind could uh, drop into the uh, bawanga state. And so when that happened, then the body could kind of sway a little bit, look like um, I was drowsy. But it just happened a little bit. But I knew what was going on. If that happens, but one doesn't, isn't aware of what's going on, then that shows that the hindrance then is very strong. But if that hindrance isn't so strong, then there's mindfulness and knowing of that. So with this drowsiness then, there are two kinds. There's the drowsiness where you know and drowsiness where you don't know. So we tested this out and uh, someone played a tape uh, of Venerable Ajahn Chah. And as, as I was sitting there listening to that, then just a small amount of drowsiness came up and the body started swaying a little bit. But I still knew what Ajahn Chah was saying. I could still understand. And then when my friend stopped the tape, I could say you know, exactly what Ajahn Chah had just said on the recorded tape. So when it's like this, the mind's in peace like this, it's able to separate out from the feelings.
But if the drowsiness is a lot, then it, the mind just falls into that and there's no knowing of what's going on, or maybe there's just a little bit of knowing. So it's like when we're driving a car, and so we're driving along, and there may be moments where we lose our mindfulness. But if we're able to recollect that, able to bring it back, then that can still work. It can still be enough in that state for us to carry on with our practice. But we need to be cautious around this as well. So if this kind of problem comes up, then you can open up your eyes. Internally, you can chant a lot. But it's normal in the morning for there to be the state of drowsiness. And so this is one of the obstacles, one of the hindrances that comes up. So there's this, and there's the hindrance of restlessness of mind, this agitation, and then of doubt, of being attracted to sensual pleasures, and also that of ill will and anger. So these are the hindrances that we need to try to pass. And as we slowly work through them, then we grow in peace little by little. As wisdom is able to arise little by little. And so when our peace and our samadhi grows, then this wisdom is able to come up and we're able to see the Dhamma. Are you sleepy? Maybe those who are sleepy, you can raise your hand. You can put up your hand for those who are drowsy, sleepy. It's normal. Tamada, normal. If you're a human, then you get drowsy. Who wants to experience jhana? Can you put up your hand? Maybe try for upajara samadhi first. So, with jhanas, we need to uh, start at the beginning. We need to have a place to start first. So, start off with kanaka samadhi. So this momentary or minor form of samadhi, and then that develops into upajara samadhi, this uh, uh, neighborhood collectedness, and then that steadily grows. And so initially there can be a lot of this scattered thinking in the mind, but that eventually as we practice, then those get less and less. There can be a lot of obstacles, a lot of hindrances in the beginning, but eventually those reduce. The amount of doubts that we experience gets less, and then the peace that we experience grows. And the thinking becomes less and less as well. And then as that happens, then next the mind will just become still all by itself. So if we train like this and we carry on going without stopping, then we need to get there, or we'll have to get there. But for that to happen, we need to be sincere, we need to set our hearts on it. So if any anger comes up in your mind, you can tell yourself, I, I don't want this, what I want is jhana. Or if uh, there's scatteredness that comes up, there's restless thinking, 
We can tell ourselves, I don't want this. What I want is, is jhana. And so we need a goal there for our practice then so that we can kind of let go of these things. Yeah. Food and it's it's not delicious, doesn't taste good. You can tell yourselves, well, it's, that's okay. What I really want is jhana. So this food that doesn't taste good, it's fine. So we need to try training ourselves, and when eating, uh, need to have sense of composure and restraint around that as well. But it's something that's quite difficult to do. And so for for Tanajan, that he uh, before ordaining, he tried it out that he put all of, of the different kinds of food together and into just one bowl. So the kind of curry dishes, the spicy things and the uh, sweet things, just mixed all of those together in the one bowl. And uh, it's like, he's trying to eat it, but his body didn't really want to take it in. And normally he would eat, you know, this much, but uh, when eating in that way, it's just a much smaller amount and he felt full already. That uh, the body just didn't really want to take it in. And so, this was trying to eat in a composed way. But for you, maybe you don't have to take it that far. Or you can try it out if you want. Maybe just try it out one day. You know, putting the spicy things and the sweet things all together in the same bowl. You can see how that goes. <laughs> 